When Anna Maria returns and gets behind the wheel, she hands me one of two keys. It's a nice place, sparkling clean, and the food smells good. It's called Harmony Corner because it's all owned and operated by the Harmony family. Quite a big clan, judging by what Holly Harmony told me. She's the lone waitress this shift. Anna Maria starts the Mercedes and drives to the motor court, repeatedly glancing at me, which I pretend not to notice. After she parks between two cottages and switches off the engine and the headlights, she says, Melancholy can be seductive when it's twinned with self-pity. I don't pity myself, I assure her. Then what would you call it? Perhaps self-sympathy? I decide not to answer. Self-compassion, she suggests. Self-commiseration? Self-condolence? I didn't think it was in your nature to needle a guy. Oh, young man, I'm not needling you. Then what would you call it? Compassionate mockery. The landscape lamps in the overhanging trees, filtering through leaves that quiver in a gentle breeze, flutter feathery golden light across the windshield and across Anna Maria's face, and surely across my face as well, as if projected upon us is a film involving winged multitudes. I remind her, I killed five people tonight. Would it be better if you'd failed to resist evil and had killed no one? I say nothing. She persists. Those would-be mass murderers. Do you suppose they would have surrendered peacefully at your stern request? Of course not. Would they have been willing to debate the righteousness of the crimes they intended to commit? The mockery I get, but I can't see how it's compassionate. She is unrelenting. Perhaps they would have been willing to go with you on that TV courtroom show and let Judge Judy decide whether they did or did not have the moral authority to nuke four cities. No, they'd be too scared of Judge Judy. I'm scared of Judge Judy. You did the only thing you could have done, young man. Yeah, all right. But why do I have to go from Magic Beach to Harmony Corner in the same night? So much death. No matter how bad those people were, no matter how bad someone might be here, I'm not a killing machine. She reaches out to me, and I take her hand. Although I can't explain why, the very contact lifts my spirits. Maybe there won't be any killing here, she says. But it's all accelerating. What is? My life, these threats, the craziness, coming at me like an avalanche. The feathers of soft light flutter not just across her face, but also in her eyes as she squeezes my hand. What do you most want, Adi? What hope drives you? The hope of a little rest? Some leisure time? The hope of an uneventful quiet life as a fry cook? A shoe salesman? You know it's none of that. Tell me. I'd like to hear you say it. I close my eyes and see in memory the card that came out of a fortune-telling machine in a carnival arcade six years earlier, when, with Stormy at my side, I had bought a precious promise for a quarter. 
Ma'am, you know what the card said. You are destined to be together forever. And then she died. But you kept the card. You continue to believe in the truth of the card. Do you still believe in it? Without hesitation, I reply, Yes, I've got to believe. It's what I have. Well then, Adi, if the hope that drives you is the truth of that card, might not the acceleration that frightens you be what you actually want? Might you be quickening toward the fulfillment of that prediction? Could it be that the avalanche coming at you is nothing more than stormy? Opening my eyes, I meet her stare once more. The fluttering wings reflected on her face, and in her dark eyes might also be the flicker of golden flames.